HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Bento Box, a hospitality platform that empowers restaurants through their own website. During these uncertain times in the industry, Bento Box is supporting restaurants through online ordering and gift cards. Opening soon listeners get 50% off setup fees at getbento.com slash opening soon. That's G-E-T-B-E-N-T-O dot com slash opening soon. This week, Chef Gavin Kaysen posted a very poignant poem to his Instagram, originally written in 1869 by Kathleen O'Mara. And people stayed at home and read books and listened and they rested and did exercises and made art and played and learned new ways of being and stopped and listened more deeply. Someone meditated, someone prayed, someone met their shadow and people began to think differently and people healed. And in the absence of people who lived in ignorant ways, dangerous, meaningless, and heartless, the earth also began to heal. And when the danger ended and people found themselves, they grieved for the dead and made new choices and dreamed of new visions and created new ways of living and completely healed the earth just as they were healed. We're back with another episode of Reopening Soon, talking to chefs, restaurateurs, and those in the hospitality business about the impacts of the coronavirus crisis. We've spoken with chefs on closing down, pivoting to delivery, approaching their local government and mental health and well-being in this unprecedented era. Now we chat financial healing. Or possibilities of financial healing, so we hope, right? Um, So there are predictions that more than 75% of independent restaurants may not make it back from this crisis. And with over 11 million people employed directly by independent restaurants, and there's millions more in businesses like ours at Tillit that are indirectly um, employed by by these independent restaurants, it's so important that they come back. They serve as not only a hub for the community, but these third places and our huge employers. So we know the industry will beat these odds, but we also know that they need help and support. And the government passed CARES on March 27th. And since then, the SBA and banks have been basically scrambling to get applications live. And small businesses are also scrambling to to try to figure out what this all means for them. Our guest today is Ben McCreary. He's the president of One Park Financial in Miami, Florida. And if you caught on, the last name is not a coincidence. Ben is actually Alex's brother and my brother-in-law. And he also happens to be an expert 
in small business lending. He's helped secure funding for over seven, um, for seven, he's helped secure 7 million in funding for restaurants um, in his career. And he has been instrumental in helping Alex and I navigate the loan process. So we thought who better to bring it on the show and help us understand what the hell is going on with PPP and EDLI and all the other acronyms than Ben. So welcome, Ben. We're so happy to have you here. Thanks guys, glad to be here. So, um, I know we've talked a lot. Basically, I've been having Ben on speed dial as I'm trying to figure out, you know, what should we apply for as part of our business for government relief and all these kind of things. So tell us a little bit about some of the options that are available for disaster loans and people suffering hardships due to COVID. Sure. Um, well, they've been administering these uh, through the SBA, the uh, S- Small Business Administration. Um, the first one, um, which is the one people may have heard the most about, is the pay te- Paycheck Protection Program. That went live last Friday. Uh, the main goal of this is to um, allow people to retain their employees, but there's also other uses that are allowed with this one. Um and and this one is the one that was funded with 349 billion and there's already uh been discussions today and uh, or news reports today that they're looking to expand that based on the high level of demand since the rollout on Friday um the second one which is interesting is is the EIDL loan advance um we've been working with a lot of our clients on this one and it really just depends on the size of the business but EIDL is the economic injury disaster loan um, and this is the this is not a new program for the SBA. This is uh, a loan that would be available if a hurricane hit or tornadoes or floods or any any type of disaster that would be uh, administered on a local basis um, for, for for these. And what they've done through the CARES Act is they've uh, tacked on this interesting feature where when you apply, you can request ten thousand dollars immediately. Um, they originally put in the CARES Act three days. Three days is not happening, um, and it's still kind of TBD how long it will take, but that $10,000 does not need to be repaid. Um, if you're approved for the EIDL loan, there could be more money beyond that, but that initial advance doesn't need to be repaid, even if you're not approved for the EIDL loan. Um, so that one's interesting. And then there's also some that probably less relevant to your listeners, but there's there's debt relief and uh, options for people that are currently in an SBA loan that are pretty so, generous. So for the um, EIDL loan is or the advance portion, is that do you have to apply for that through is that through SBA or is that also through like an FDI FDIC insured financial institution like a like a bank? Yeah, no, that's a good question. It's through it's through the SBA. It's actually really easy. I think it's a four kind of page web. You just go to their website. Um, sba.gov um, and and you apply there uh, you know what we've been telling uh, a lot of our customers uh, you know because they are smaller mom and pop shops that's ten thousand dollars could be incredibly impactful is that that should be the priority get in line for that um, and it's really easy we've been saying 10 minutes for ten thousand um, <laughs> sort of as the encouragement yeah. to get people to do it um, you know, and again, a lot of people believe it's kind of too good to be true. Or where's the catch? It's it's not even taxable as income. It's just literally free money. Okay, so I'm going to um, go for apply impacted for that right businesses, now. obviously. Yeah. So, and impacted businesses is anybody with a decrease in revenue of what percent? Is there is that defined? I, 
No, I mean, I've seen, again, you know, we should probably note that we're talking on April 7th, <laughs> two o'clock in the <laughs> afternoon, because um, things change so fast. Um, there's been, you know, on the PPP program, there was guidance, uh, but from Treasury on Friday night, Sunday night, and then again last night coming out. So things are changing fast. But um, I, I've even seen uh, accountants and others uh, saying that it's just you, you have to be impacted or anticipate being impacted. So it's okay, pretty so- broad. I think, you know, obviously, maybe if you're flourishing in, in this environment for one reason or another, it wouldn't be a good idea to take one. But I think as long as there's an impact, I think you're probably okay. And you mentioned that the EIDL, you can directly apply through the SBA, but the PPP, you have to go through your banking institution. Is that right? Or can you also do that through the SBA? No, the PPP, you have to go through a some sort of certified, uh, someone who's certified to uh, provide the loans. And that's, um, in terms of the law itself, that's broader than just banks. But right now, the only people that are doing it is banks. Um, and, you know, again, that's where a lot of the guidance and concern uh, has come from, is that there's there's just a lot of anti-money laundering and Patriot Act type of, of, of laws that the, the banks have to comply with. And, and that's where their nervousness comes in, in, in doing loans for people that they haven't already vetted for the normal account opening process. So that's why um, you're seeing it really just being initiated by banks currently. And um, are all and banks offering it? Like if No. So no. what if you're what if your bank that you already have all your restaurant funds in is not offering it? Is there can you go to another bank that you don't have accounts with? How does that work? That's that's a good question and that's one of the major weaknesses of, of the program as it exists, you know, on business day number 3, I guess now here, is that uh, there's not a lot of options. You know, for example, uh, Wells Fargo um, because of their whole the controversy surrounding Wells Fargo and their their uh, issue with the Department of Justice, they were capped on how fast they can grow assets. And so Wells Fargo can't do more than $10 billion and they're done. And so they're out. And so if you're a Wells Fargo customer, it's it's a real problem. Um, and and that's it's a tough spot. I think it'll get fixed. I, I'm reasonably confident that that'll get fixed. Um, but again, with with so much demand flowing in and, and a limited pool of funds, and you know, a new pool not, not having been authorized, I I understand that causes a lot of concern and frustration for people. So, um, you know, Wells Fargo is is a notable example. A lot of smaller community banks are just not. I mean, there's no money in it for banks. It, it should be said, um, there's not a lot of money in it for banks. It's not a money maker um, to have to administer this. Um, so there are smaller community banks that aren't doing it. Um, you know, Bank of America took a lot of heat um, over the weekend because they launched and they were only doing it if you had both a uh, depository relationship and a lending relationship. Um, they've since, as of Sunday, they amended that. And if you don't have a lending relationship with them or, or debt with them, they will do it as long as you certify that you don't have debt with someone else. But again, that's still a little bit uh, tricky for people, right? So if you have a credit card with Chase and you bank at B of A, um, are they really going to enforce that or can they enforce that? I'm not sure. Right. And by lending with them, do they mean a loan or a line of credit or does a credit card count? Because I would, especially with restaurant clients. 
a credit card. Does a credit not, card yeah. counts. Okay. Yeah. I, I again, I don't think it's because you know a lot of the noise on social media and stuff was like, oh, they're just doing it because they only want to do, they only want to get this money for the people that owe them money so they can get paid. And it, I, I, I see that, I see that thread of logic, but I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's fair or accurate. Um, because I think it's really just about compliance. I think the banks are just freaking out about compliance. Right, how to comply with this. So if the pool of money that's intended to help, you know, help assist all these these small businesses and um, and get money to them quickly isn't actually able to do that because of these concerns like compliance and it is a heavily regulated industry. I mean, what, what are the other options? And has there been any noise about, you know, making people more nimble, opening up that pool, like you said, to people who maybe weren't certified for this? Um, do you see anything yeah. like that coming down? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a number of, I do think it'll get fixed and in, in the wheels will flow. I think it'll be slow. I mean, I think, unfortunately, it's just, it's a it's a very bad situation in the sense of what's going on in the country and the need is great. And I think everyone gets that, but I think you have to back up and be realistic that you, the SBA does on a normal year, the SBA does 60,000 uh, loans the entire year. Um, so you're talking about they're doing 5,000 in a month. And, you know, I saw something today, Chase said on Monday morning that they had received a million applications since they opened on, on, on Saturday. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I mean, when you start to look at those numbers, it, it's, 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 it's like it's a government organization, their website, you have to manually enter this stuff. So the banks, I, I think it will be a bit of a mess and probably uh, before this money really starts flowing in, in reasonable ways, it, it'll probably be two to four weeks at, at best case scenario. It's just, it's just not set up for this. And then you're dealing with banks and government, which aren't, you know, I mean, this bill was passed, I don't even know what, 10 days ago, 14 days ago. I mean, it's, this speed is lightning speed for these types of institutions. So I think you just have to be, people have to be patient and persistent um, with the application process um, and, and, and go through it like that. For people who don't have a like bank and lending relationship yet with some of these bigger banks, is it worthwhile for them to go ahead and start one of those relationships or does that even matter at this point because they would have had to have the relationship prior to a certain time? Most of what I've seen, and again, I'm mostly focused because again, we're trying to educate our our, our merchants um, on this as well and make sure that they're, you know, we're helping them manage through this time. But most of my focus has been on the major banks and, and most of them, again, I can't say all or if, if any of this might be fluid, but we're requiring a relationship as of February 15th. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think that well. would do a lot of good. The hope there, if, if you don't have if you have a bank that isn't doing it um, or you don't have a banking relationship that qualifies for some reason, you know, there's um, a lot of fintechs um, ready to go with this. They just need to get certified. And there is a mechanism within the CARES Act to certify them. It's just that's there's a lot going on and that hasn't happened yet. You know, I know PayPal, for example, wants to be doing this uh, cabbage with a K, um, which is a, a small a small business lender um, company called Lendio, um, you know, uh, so it's kind of tricky, but a lot of, you know, several of them are also, none of the ones I named, but several of them are also, you know, kind of taking pseudo 
applications, which are really just expressions of interest at this point. So I, I also think I also kind of have an issue with that because they're creating a little bit of false hope. They're not even set up to do these loans, but they're like making people feel like they've moved something forward. So I don't know um, I mean, if that's yeah, a, I felt like a that, good route either. That is how I felt exactly with Chase. I don't know like if any of our listeners, and by the way, I just wanted to define FinTech for people as financial technology, right? So it's like companies that you know aren't traditional um, banks, but have the ability to lend. Um, so yeah, I I really experienced that with Chase as well. And like, we're really, really lucky and probably in a very different position than most people that we've had a relationship with Chase for a long time. And we've had a line of credit and we have a business banker there that we have a personal relationship with. And even with that, like, you know, I was getting these emails being like, just put in your like email and somebody will maybe call you and like, you might get in queue. And then I spoke to him and he was like, they're trying to work through the queue and there's like a million people all at the same timestamp. It's just crazy. So I I mean, it's, this is like a nightmare for people to, to navigate. And so go ahead. Yeah. I heard the same. I mean, I heard from Chase specifically that they've got 1500 bankers you know manually putting this into the antiquated sba loan system you know and they've got a million apps so um kind of do the math on that um it's going to take a little while um but the the, the two big things in terms of getting like the the paypals of the world and, and these these financial technology companies up on the platform or number one they need to certify them that's simple and easy um but number two is i think a big mistake in the bill and and again good news is i think you know there's some politicians that marco rubio's had some great tweets on this i mean very clearly laying out the problems and and identifying the problems um with the execution and and so they've been raised um the second piece is that they were not going to buy back these loans um for seven weeks, which, you know, PayPal can't afford to write, you know, billions and billions of loans and then hold them on their balance sheet for um, seven, close to two months. <laughs> they need to get them, you know, they can do, these financial technology companies can come in and do it, but they have to be able to be unloading them probably almost daily at the at the, the pace we're seeing them, the, the applications come in. So that's a big piece that needs to get fixed. And, and again, I heard... Um, something today that the fed was going to start the federal reserve was going to start buying uh these loans um which is kind of just a different mechanism for, that would be very helpful if if, right, if they do yeah so if they do step in and start buying them because nobody wants to hold these like i said it's one percent interest i mean granted it's government guaranteed but i mean you can't you could barely, you know, send statements out and do online servicing for probably one percent interest, right? Right. So the banks don't necessarily want to want to lend them because there's no like there's no fees and interest for it to even service what they need to do. Um, it's not a money maker scale. at all, and then they got to carry yeah. it on their balance sheet, right? So, um, granted, it's government backed, so there's no risk to it, but um, it's just kind of a bunch of dead weight on their balance sheet. This episode is brought to you by Bento Box. Bento Box empowers restaurants to own their presence, profits, and relationships directly through their own website. Restaurants are currently having to make significant changes to their operations, and Bento Box is setting up gift card processing and online ordering stores in as little as four days to support restaurants during this challenging time. 
With BentoBox, you can drive revenue and keep your guests up to date. Opening soon listeners get 50% off setup fees at getbento.com slash opening soon. That's G-E-T-B-E-N-T-O dot com slash opening soon. But so speaking of that, though, too, like there is some forgiveness within these um, loans as well. So walk us through a little bit for those who might be lucky enough to eventually get one of these like PPP loans. What um, what does that look like? Yeah. So, I mean, the big difference is, again, between an EIDL and and a, and a PPP and we can leave the EIDL again. The EIDL is just the only new part is that 10,000. The rest of it's the same slow two to three months credit scoring they're going to underwrite you there's some a little bit of loosening of it because it's it, it, there's there's a disaster but not a whole lot and then there's a bridge loan to go along with it for 25,000 so that's kind of the standard SBA process that having you know helped customers in Puerto Rico through Hurricane Maria or Florida and Hurricane Irma I, I don't find that program personally to be very effective it's just too slow and too cumbersome and too too many credit requirements the ppp gets rid of all that and it was really smart in the way it was crafted it's no credit checks they just basically got to make sure you're you know a, a real person and it's not money laundering right so um so it's it's much more open the ppp program should not have any any real credit checks or any issues with that there's no worry about other forms of indebtedness none of that um, and it's it, it has a big, quote-unquote, free money aspect to it as well, which is the forgiveness program. Um, the highlights of the way the PPP works is you're supposed to take uh, two and a half – the amount you will get from the PPP is two and a half times your normal monthly payroll, uh, gross payroll, um, outside of the federal taxes you pay directly. So um, that's an important distinction because some people have gotten confused. The, the federal – withholding that you do on behalf of your employee would count in that calculation, but the part you pay directly would not. Most payroll uh, service providers have put in place uh, a a report you can run. Um, I know ADP has, and I'm sure others have, um, to actually calculate this. It's based on all of 2019. There's some exceptions to that if you're a seasonal business or, or, or so forth. But so, so you'd get two and a half times your monthly uh, payroll, and then you will get forgiveness for the first eight weeks of payroll and other expenses like uh, interest on pre-existing loans, um, uh, rent or mortgage interest—not mortgage principal payments, but rent—and um, and a few other things. So you you would then apply for forgiveness at a later date. Um, and there's really no rush there because it's a, the, the the PPP is also doesn't have any payments for six months. You wouldn't you won't make a payment on that loan at all for six months. Um, so that's kind of how it works. I think just like the original rollout, there has there's some there's still a lot of questions about the forgiveness. And at the end of the day, it's going to be open to your how your bank interprets whatever guidance is out there. So you know what we've been advising uh, our clients is you know, don't get too caught up in that. I don't know if there's a way to game it. I mean, it's obviously it's meant to help you keep your staff uh, employed, even if you're they're they're not working. Um, and so that part does get forgiven, but, and you can rehire. Um, so if you've laid people off, you would be able to rehire them and then have that piece of it forgiven. Um, and even the eight weeks, I think if this were to extend, they'll probably extend that eight weeks would be my guess, but that's just a guess. 
Yeah. I mean, that's, I, that's a big question mark for us in the hospitality industry specifically, because, you know, these are, we're talking about all public places and the last things to reopen at full capacity will be restaurants and public gathering places. Right. So, you know, if we're looking at a horizon that's longer than eight weeks before revenue is really flowing again, is there, is there, is that something we should be conscientious of? Should we be thinking about when to apply for these so that the eight week mark doesn't start too soon? Um, right. Because if restaurants aren't able to get back to, if they have to open at like 20% capacity, then 30%, then 50%, it's going to be a while before there's real revenue coming back in. Right. I mean, again, it's <laughs> how do you play it, right? There's a yeah. little bit of a chess game here. I mean, again, our uh, advice to our uh, clients uh, and, 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 and that we're working with and some of our larger clients, we're doing some one-on-one consultations. And, and frankly, the way we're handling it as a business is, is to be focused on um, getting in line as fast as possible. Um, so, so, so our advice is, look, if your bank's doing it, go apply. If it's not, you probably have to sit tight until some better options come on board. Um, but there's go a do real it risk now. that there's a real risk that there will that the money will run out, right? So right, and the money waiting yes. is yeah. Yes, and I mean you know our uh, uh, yes, the, and and the idea is oh we'll just put more money in, but you know do we get do you want to be the business that gets stuck while congress bickers about something or or you know go, or tries to add something else into the bill or or horse trade and you know i mean they you know there's that guy that made him made all the congressmen get back on planes and go back to washington dc last time because he wouldn't wouldn't do the automatic vote or whatever you know there's i don't know that i'd want to be i i think it's likely that that will happen but again i think it it, it could the timing is is in question. I don't think you want to wait for it to run out. Um, and I also don't think you want to get too caught up. And again, it's just my personal opinion and advice would be don't get too caught up in the in the forgiveness piece. You know, do what makes sense for your business to operate. And, and yeah, maybe forgiveness gets lessened, but you'll also have that cash on it at a super low interest rate to help start your business back up. And that's how we're approaching it. Um, if that makes I'm, sense, because 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 there are you know the, if if you've your forgiveness is is reduced if you've significantly reduced your headcount, unfortunately, but ultimately a two year no payments for six months two years at one percent interest is is pretty cheap. What money. happens after two years? To well, that's rate. I think it's going to be amortized over that period. Um, so the loan would be fully. It'd be broken up into payments that would make it fully paid at the end of that period. Right. So basically, is my understanding. To, so basically, it'd be over eighteen months essentially if you don't have to make payments for the first six months. Then, yeah, I think that's unclear. If, yeah. if the six months extends it, if it's two years after the six month uh, deferral, or if that's part of the two years. I, you know, again, personal opinion. The bill authorized up to ten years. Um, uh, they change it to two. I think two is too short. I think this should be like a student loan debt or something that just kind of burn or mortgage. It just burns over time at a, at a reasonable amount. Um, so uh, again, I wouldn't be surprised to see that changed at some point or extended or something put in place. What, what should people be like? Cause that is true. Cause I, at first like the, when the bill was approved, it was like 4% over 10 years and now it's like, 
what two it's one percent over two years. So it seems to be changing. And so what what should people be looking for and watching for as this sort of shifts and changes? You know, it's, I mean, that changes how you are thinking about the, the loan. Well, again, I mean, if you, you know, there's, well, certainly there's, there's official guidance that's coming out from Treasury. Um, like I mentioned, Friday night, Sunday, the Sunday one was just whatever. The Friday night one was very informative and last night's one was, was a, a, a bit more informative. Um, Sunday night's was very specific to a couple of industries. Um, um, but I think that's one thing to look for is what, what is the guidance coming from Treasury because they're running point largely on this. Um, but then after that, I think just, just work with your bank. Your bank um, has to, uh, you know, they have to interpret these this guidance um, the way they're going to do it. So some of this, like, you know, some guy on Twitter says this doesn't really matter <laughs> because if that's not the way uh, B of A is going to deal with it, then, you know, th- th- then you're stuck with that, you know, so mm-hmm. for... So, so, so I think it's important to just, if you have a relationship with a bank, initiate that process and, and follow along with how they do it, um, I think is, is, is going to be the answer. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's fortunate for people who do have relationships with banks. Um, for people who don't necessarily have a deep relationship with banks, what other like resources are there out there for them to secure funds at this time if they're going to need it to reopen their businesses. Uh, or do you mean outside of the PPP program or just yeah, how to, how to leverage it? No, I mean outside the PPP program because I think a lot of our customers, you know, especially a lot of our listeners and a lot of people in the industry don't get traditional bank loans um, because business restaurants are a little bit riskier um, and maybe they've, you know, raised money from friends or and family or raised money from outside investors or, have gone, you know, less traditional funding routes. So, you know, is there, are there any other levers that they can pull while they're like thinking about how they're going to finance getting back up and running? Well, you know, it's a little tough because I think, um, you know, uh, first of all, the PPP is by far, you know, it's another thing we've encountered with, with our uh, clients is that they've had bad relationships with banks or trying to get loans or even the SBA and trying to get loans. So when you say bank and SBA, they kind of roll their eyes. Um, I do think this is different despite all the issues we're having here. And again, day three of of something that was put together really quickly and is massive. Um, So I would encourage people to be persistent and patient and, and really go after that PPP. It's, it's a lifeline. That's what it was intended to be. Um, and it could be really helpful and don't just think about like, well, I don't need the cash now. Cause I'm, I mean, think ahead to that rebuilding, right? Um, I don't need it. I laid off everybody and I'm, I'm, I, you know, and I got forbearance on my rent. So whatever. Um, but then I think, you know, around specifically around restaurants, I would imagine a lot of, you know, I think it's going to have to be a lot of bootstrap stuff. I think a lot of these larger companies that supply the restaurant industry and rely on the restaurant industry will have to use their balance sheet some to help proven operators get back up and running. Um, you know, the the current system is bank loans and then pretty much all the other alternative forms of financing are really based on how they're kind of cash flow based, right? How well have you been doing? Well, 
people aren't going to have been doing very well, right? So <laughs> it's it's kind of a re- tricky tricky thing. I I would say that there aren't some obvious uh, sources of capital out there now, but if there's a void, uh, you know, I would imagine someone will step in and fill it. Um, so I think I think things will evolve on the back end of this to to help proven operators of of all kinds of businesses and and restaurants will be one of them get back up and running in the in whatever the environment is we emerge into whatever that environment may be hopefully it's one with lots of eating and drinking in the future (laughs) for all of our um for all of our friends um well, well this has been super helpful um is there anything else we didn't talk about that you think would be helpful for people to know no, I think I think that covers it. I mean, I, again, I you know the punchline for, for what we've been saying is is do the EIDL. It's it's a ten thousand advance. It will get deducted from your forgiveness if you get forgiveness on the PPP. But otherwise, it's completely free money um, if you're suffering uh, in this environment. And so that can be a nice one there. Um, and then the PPP is gonna it's gonna take patience. Like I said, if you have a bank that's doing it, start the process now. Um, and if you don't, or you somehow don't make it through that bank's process, um, you know, I think it's in the next week to 10 days, you'll, you'll see resources come online. So just kind of stay abreast of the news. Yeah. Are there other, Ben, on that, on that subject, are there other resources if people are going through the process and have questions and obviously, you know, the bankers are overwhelmed and probably not able to answer every question that comes up. So where do people go? Uh, it's another problem uh, without getting into the esoteric about the thing is the other problem is that the bill expressly forbids people from charging you to help you with the process. So, um, I don't know. I get it. You don't want people taking advantage of people and, um, but there's a small broker fee that should be allowed to be paid by the bank. Basically the bank shares part of their funding fee from the government with a broker, but the banks aren't creating any mechanism to designate who helped you to get that that one percent right so i know i've talked to several accountants who are like hey i'm helping all these clients but i feel like i'm just doing it for free you know i think you are um so that's one of the problems so your accountant would be someone who could help you uh for sure um and and then you know there's a ton of webinars going on uh different people teaching um you know teach just kind of teaching people about this uh, but I would be wary of anyone that wants to charge you. You know, I saw something the other day charging twenty five hundred for a consultation or something. Um, so that's sure actually prohibited you... per the bill. It's certainly gray area. <laughs> I mean, you're yeah. not allowed to charge a funding fee, but I guess you can charge twenty five hundred dollars for an hour of consult consultation for anything. I guess I don't know. It, it seems a little borderline to me. Um, yeah, I just don't think it's necessary. Like I said, I think push your way through. We all have a lot on our plates, but it's 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 not uh, it's frustrating. You know, I'm hearing stories. You got to go online at three in the morning because that's the only time where the button will work on to submit at the end on, yeah. at this bank or that bank. And I, but I think it's that's where the persistent and patient comes in in my mind instead of. Uh, paying people, but I no, I don't. The short answer is I don't know of any good resources to kind of handhold people through this. Um, I will say that the applicant, yeah, and I will say, so I actually was able to submit to Chase. So, like I said, we've had a long relationship with Chase, and we were, I was able to submit the, our documentation to Chase last night. 
Um, and it was like a very easy application. I would not recommend paying somebody $2,500 to help you with that application <laughs> um, at this point. But yeah, it, it, in that sense, like there, that was a good job in that it was really user friendly and very easy. I think that, and obviously that was by design and luckily, you know, our submit button worked, but I think it's going to have to be a ton of persistence to actually get funding from this and to keep on applying if you need it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And again, the, the important thing to remember about this is that this is all the banks and their interpretation. Um, so if one bank declined, you know, I've heard stories of getting kind of declined notices that don't really explain why just, hey, sorry, we're unable to help you. Um, and that's frustrating. Um, Have you heard any success stories yet? I've not heard of anyone getting the money, oh, um, like but that. I've heard of, I've, no, but I've heard of people moving through the process. I've heard of them getting like ID numbers and confirmation emails and um, uh, confirmations that it's been submitted to the SBA. Again, I don't know what the bottlenecks will be between that phase and the money actually coming in. Um, I can also tell you, we applied for our EIDL last Wednesday. And we don't that again, that was supposed to be three days that was in the bill, but there's nothing on the SBA site that says three days anymore. Um, so we haven't seen that advance. Um, and we did that, you know, mostly to test, you know, and, and be aware of how long it's going to take. But um, yeah, that's that's still an open question. I, I, I just, you know, again, would be reasonably optimistic that in the next two to four weeks, this thing will start flowing a little better. I mean, and they've done some pretty dramatic things, you know, bringing in Amazon Web Services to overhaul the SBA platform and um, do some, you know, some pretty aggressive, quick things to try to get this thing going. But it's it's uh, they're 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 running a lot through a very small pipe. Yep. So just like everything else, day by day and watch for it to change every hour on the hour, but we'll get through yep. it. Exactly. Um, awesome. Well, this has been super informative and helpful. Um, so we so appreciate your time and expertise. Um, tell. Appreciate it. No, happy to do it. Cool. Thanks, man. Tell us, um, tell where people can find you on uh, the World Wide Web and social and stuff. Uh, well, yes, yeah, social. We are One Park Financial um, with a number one, and online we are www.oneparkfinancial.com. O N E. Cool. Well, thank you so much. You can find us at, at We Are Opening Soon and at Till at NYC, and we'll catch you next week. Opening Soon is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org, and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You could also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.